everyone. I just wanted to jump on really quick before the episode gets started here and let you know that it does uh, cut out at the end a few minutes before we were finished. Um, I guess that's just one of the uh, risks we're taking in in social distancing and having to record over the phone. Uh, But you can uh, find the whole episode if you check out the live streams of this uh, conversation, I believe, either on Facebook, the Real Life Community Church Facebook page, or on YouTube. So if you are missing those last few minutes and want to hear how we're wrapping up the episode, check out one of those things. Otherwise, enjoy the episode. Hello, Stacy. Hello. Going well. Going well. I am outside so if you hear outside noises that's I heard, why. I heard the birds that was pretty cool actually so taking it taking it on the road <laughs> my yeah. child is is inside with my mother so I figured I should come outside <laughs> well okay that's otherwise he'd be asking what I'm doing every five seconds so. <laughs> well I'm quite certain that that will be a good time for everybody involved I hope so <laughs> she has candy so probably hey that's <laughs> Can she watch me during the podcast? <laughs> oh, so we are, uh, I see that we're, I saw that we're live on YouTube. I don't know if I got the Facebook notification yet. Mm, well, it's up on Facebook and it's up on Instagram. Hello, everybody. So we are good to go. Sorry, we're a little late today. Some scheduling conflicts, but we're here. Yes. Yeah, we got to get some stuff going on. I had some dental work done this morning, so. We're just having a good time. And, and all of that just, you know, it kind of has this chain reaction thing, sort of a ripple effect. Well, oh, golly. You knew it was coming. I did. I didn't know how you'd get from the dentist to there, but here we go. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I was awakened this morning by a phone call saying that uh, some of our calves were out. So that kind of threw the, the day into a, a little bit of a confusion right out of the gate. Yeah. So. Uh, no pun intended. They didn't go through the gate. Through the fence. <laughs> they they jumped the fence. Yeah, uh, it was. We had an electrical issue that caused a, a short in the electric fence. So, all man, are they really that quick to to recognize that there's no? They're not no, going to get shocked. It happens to be that they're the ones that are. Uh, the, those two are ones that are quite pushy and and uh, ah. testing boundaries. They're kind of teenagers, you know, <laughs> and um, and so they discovered it. Whereas if it were hot, they would be remembering it right now. Right. I'm hoping that through the day they've tested it a few times and (laughs) they will probably not test it again for a while. So I knew it was a bad sign when I saw the calf scratching its back on the electric wire. That's never a good (laughs) thing. Usually not what you want. No, that's not. But anyway, we didn't come to talk about calves as much as I enjoy that. We could talk about regenerative farming and holistic grazing, but... Instead, we are going to be talking about Acts chapter 9 and the latter portion of that in particular with um, Peter ministering to the saints uh, outside of Jerusalem. And as he's doing that, then he encounters a uh, crippled man named, a paralytic named um, Aeneas. And uh, the Lord Jesus heals him. And while Peter is there in the town of Lydd, that uh, in Joppa are having their own crisis, and one of the dear sisters of the church there, uh, named Tapa or Dorcas in Greek, um, gets sick and dies. They know that, or they've heard that uh, uh, Peter is in the area, 
so they send some folks out to Lita to get him to come right away. Um, I think it's reasonable to assume that they did not call him uh, to raise her from the dead, considering that that happens three times in the New Testament apart from Christ, and, uh, and none of them have happened yet. So the idea that they were expecting that seems a little bit of a stretch. Um, right. In all likelihood, they were doing the same thing that we would do um, when uh, there's a, a visiting pastor in town and we're seeking some uh, some comfort, some guidance and direction, um, someone to come and grieve with us and maybe answer all of our why questions. Why did the Lord you know, take this woman from us in the midst of her ministry? She's been uh, impacting so many lives as this has, uh, has been growing, as the, the Christian faith has been growing in the area. And her, uh, her good deed doing, her loving others with actions uh, has impacted a lot, a lot of people. And so in all likelihood, they're like, Peter, tell us why, what's going on here? And uh, he shows up and he sends them out of the room and just uh, prays and talks to the Lord. And, and uh, it appears that during the course of that conversation, uh, unlikely I, that Peter had this in mind beforehand, uh, possible, but I think it's unlikely. What appears to happen is in the course of this prayer, as he's, as he's pouring his heart out to the Lord, um, he receives this, this message or impression or guidance from the Father uh, saying, Peter, it's, uh, it's time for this one to come back. We're going to, he's got work to do. So I'm going to have you uh, come here to get up. And he does. And she is uh, then physically alive. He presents her. Uh, to the rest of the, the, the folks who were weeping and uh, now become uh, folks who are celebrating. And uh, that, that's a real celebration of life is what's going on there. Right. Uh, but And, of course, in both cases, the people all around in the community hear what's going on in the church. They see the effects of Christ in the lives of these believers. And as they are, um, as they are doing this, as they're hearing and, and talking about this, um, a, a huge crowd of them then turned to Christ. And so that, that's really, you know, in, in wrestling with this text, this has been something that, you know, I'm like, well, why, why, why is it here? You know, we, we've got so many things going on and this almost feels like an aside, you know, where we just had the, these conversion stories culminating with the big conversion uh, of uh, Saul. When I say big, I mean, dramatic and, and uh, demonstrative as, uh, he has this direct uh, interaction with Christ and, uh, and the blindness and the healing and all of the things that, that go along with that. The, the hunter becomes the hunted as he goes from persecuting the church to being persecuted himself for joining the church. Uh, and then it, it quick transitions back to Peter. And so the, the, the 12 have been the focus uh, in the leadership of the church at this point, and, and Peter being the foremost of them, the most prominent, uh, he's kind of in the spotlight. Well, we took a, a little bit away from that time, uh, you know, as far as telling stories. So now we come back to Peter, and he's doing, the, you know, he's got the healing. Well, we've seen him do that before. We see the, the resurrection. Now, that's new that, that we have him raising someone up. It's not the first time in Scripture, and, and it won't be the only time. So when we see these things, we need to ask ourselves, what is surprising about this? What is it that's unexpected uh, or, or, you know, does something unique in this inspired scripture that we would be lacking otherwise? 
And as as I walk through this, the the themes here seem to center around the idea that Peter is ministering to the believers. He's ministering to the saints. He, he's going uh, as he as he goes throughout the countryside. It doesn't say that he's going around preaching the gospel in, in verse thirty two of Acts chapter 9, it says, uh, as Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the saints in Lydda. So mm-hmm. his his whole purpose here seems to be he's going out to minister to the saints uh, as, as he's uh, dealing with the folks in Joppa. It's the church calling him to come and, and minister to as a brother, not like we saw in earlier chapters where he's preaching big evangelistic sermons and people are coming, uh, coming to Christ because of the content of the message in the midst of like chapter two, where the Holy Spirit's being poured out and they're speaking in tongues and we've got these big wonders. So we have signs and wonders accompanying the work of the gospel here. But the work of the gospel in this section is pretty much entirely focused on the church. Now, we don't know for sure whether Aeneas uh, was a believer or an unbeliever, whether he was part of the church or whether he was just present and, and in, the, in the proximity as Peter was going through Lydda uh, to minister to the saints. In any case, this ministry to the church, by the church, as Peter and, and whoever would be with him are, are part of the church, believers together, uh, for the sake of the church, they're not doing this as an outreach, they're doing this as an in-house kind of ministry, uh, to, to other believers, but the impact of it, of their in-church ministry, is an outreach uh, effect. So as Peter is demonstrating Christ's power and love among these believers, the watching world sees that, and that ripple effect take, takes place, where something happens here in the center in the church. And, and then from the church, it radiates out outwardly. And so that was the core reality we really kind of focused on, is that when the reality of Christ is reflected inside the church, it will radiate outside the church. And that's been, you know, as we look at, at the New Testament, um, there's a focus. Nearly all of the New Testament, with very few exceptions, uh, is written to believers about the church. So as we look mm-hmm. at the letters, there's very little content for those outside the church. The gospel is presented, but it's presented primarily, the, the gospels are for, uh, for those who don't know, who need to hear the gospel, as we see Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're, these are the stories of Christ given, as John wrote, so that you may believe. So in uh, Luke's gospel, even... Uh, it, it might be a stretch to say that he's writing that for for unbelievers. He appears to be be writing his gospel for the church because he says, "I'm writing this so that you can know the certainty of what you've been taught." So, the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts seem to be for the church as much as for anybody else. Matthew, Mark, uh, uh, and John are written for those who perhaps are yet unconvinced about Christ in, their, in those particular audiences. You look at the letters, over and over again, it's written, they're written to the church, almost all of them written to individual local uh, assemblies, some written to individual people, but all in the context of the church. I think we miss out on that a lot of the time, and, and maybe that's the purpose 
uh, for which God inspired this to be inserted in the text at this point in the story. We've been seeing the gospel presented. We've been seeing the witness uh, of this new and burgeoning church. But now, as it has spread, we're seeing the, the local assemblies, which is where church happens. Um, you know, we talk about the universal church or invisible church, the, the, uh, the transcendent church around the globe and across time. And, and that aspect of all believers together is true. But most of the time in the New Testament, when we're talking about the church, we're talking about the local gathering, the local assembly, <clears throat> the local body of believers, which is one of the reasons that membership is such an important thing. When we join together in a committed, intimate relationship with other believers, uh, it's like the difference between, you know, dating or, or shacking up and, and uh, being married. There's a difference in commitment and intimacy. And so in a local right. membership, whatever that looks like, you know, in different, different um, localities have different, um, have different polity, that, you know, different ways of doing church as far as the membership uh, structures and so on. But the core of it is to have a group of Christ followers united in doctrine, united in purpose, and uh, and joined together by a deep and abiding, intimate love for one another. When we see the church be the church, and, and this is one of the things that, that keeps coming up in Paul's letters, Peter says the same thing, that, that as we do church together, as we do life together as the body of Christ, that the outside world then is ministered to by that. There are things that we do for believers that still result in witness to the outside. Not just hearing the preaching or the message, but actually seeing the love that Christians have for one another. And, and it, it's, it is really a family dynamic. And families, as anybody who has one knows, can be tricky to get along with at times. There can be some, uh, some tension. There, you can get on each other's nerves. There can be uh, disagreements and so on, because people, as a rule, are a pain. <laughs> because we're sinful people. That's just how. I'm I'm a part of the pain family, so you uh, just watch. Uh, uh, anyway, some of us are more pain than others. But the, the right. reality is, all of us in this this in all of our relationships, we recognize that it's messy by by the very nature of it. In fact, the more intimate the relationship the messier it's going to be. So, you know, I, it's right. easy for me to get along with people I don't actually have a relationship with. I can say hi to 100 people right. on the street. It means nothing, but there's no conflict. But as I start to have meaningful right. engagement and interaction, now it's tricky. It's hard. So a committed church is the primary opportunity for us as Christ followers to demonstrate the love that Jesus has called us to. And apart from that, apart from the, the committed joining uh, of a local assembly where my priorities take a back seat to the priorities of the where my personal preferences take a back seat to to the good of the body and i have to learn to submit to the authority of elders nobody likes submission submission is a hard thing for us to do but it's central to who we are as christ followers and it's part of the command apart from that if we don't have a godly authority to submit to we can't keep that part of our call. So when the world sees the church 
living in the love and power and truth and reality of Christ, then they see something real. And they start to say, as Jesus said, see how they love one another. This is something Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another from, from John 13. So when, when in the book of Acts, when we see the church spreading across the country, what is, it, what is said about them? See how they love one another. In fact, even later after the New Testament uh, has been written in the Roman Empire, as the plague hits, you're seeing emperors saying, well, what's going on? Our, you know, even our priests aren't, you know, they're running away from this plague, but these Christians are running to it. They're going in to this plague to help other people, even knowing that they could die in the process, that there's something to that that's different than what we're used to. And so that kind of active love, and now that we're in the middle of a pandemic, we have an opportunity to show it in, in ways that are different than normal. When we express actively the love of Christ within the church, then people outside the church recognize that. The world will see Jesus, they see Jesus in us as the church. Well, that's, I, I, I mean, I've wanted to interrupt you 17 times. That's hard to do because I kind of get <laughs> but... steamrolling there and, you know. No, I'm glad you do because you keep adding more stuff to what I want to what I want to say. Um, it's so important then to get it right. <laughs> and when you say get it right, and, I assume uh, you mean the actual living of it, not the the doctrine correct, is important correct. too. But and sometimes it, we get focused on the being right in our doctrine and teaching, and we neglect the being right. right. In no, our I doctrine. mean the actual. I mean the yeah. actual living of it. Um, and, and displaying that because it almost feels like, and maybe I just see this from a certain lens because I, I am a Christian, but it almost seems like ooh, my mom's neighbor is doing something. Uh, <laughs> it almost seems like people are looking for people in various religions, i.e. Christianity, to mess up somehow or to do something that goes against what scripture says so they can be quick to point a finger or be quick to say, see, they're not, they're not loving or they're not like this or, or whatever. Um, and sometimes that is the case. I think in a lot of churches, there's false doctrine being taught and a lot of things just being let go. Right. So, th th and that's, I mean, that's another area that it's important to get it right um because if people don't believe that they're doing the wrong thing but they're hearing the wrong doctrine then are are they the ones at fault for for spreading that um i i don't know but i just think it's it seems like such a, a key factor to show that to the world the right way yeah, yeah no, I think, I think you've if people are if people are going to if people are going to say wow, I, I want a piece of that, or I, what, you know, what are they all about? Wow, they're so different from, from everything else or everybody else. That can be because of, of the wrong things. You know, it, it can be because you're a, a flashy personality and you, hey, I've got this thing and come look at what I can show you. But I, I, I don't know, maybe oh, I'm not making, making sense. But sense. I, think I, just... I think you've hit on a number of things that I wish we had time to develop all. This is the problem I have every Sunday so much more that I wish we could talk about. <laughs> now we add a half hour podcast and I still wish there were more things we could get in. But, you know, when we talk about having a flashy personality and so on, 
there are a lot of things that, and, and we talked about this uh, in, in Acts chapter 8 when we looked at the difference in the two conversions there, uh, the two responses between uh, Simon and right. the Ethiopian official, where Simon was drawn in by the appeal of the flesh. You, you see, right. hey, this power is greater than, than mine. His power doth exceed my own. So I want to jump in there. Mr. Aladdin for those in the pop culture. Um, so <laughs> his, uh, as we see those different appeals, the Ethiopian official responded to the gospel presented through the scriptures. Um, looks like we've just lost right. patience. But anyhow, um, as, we're, as we're looking at this now, in, in this situation, uh, whether we're talking about the, the healing and, and the raising that take place in Aeneas um, and Dorcas, or we're talking about our current situation, getting it right in the church now, we do a lot of things in church growth circles. I, I use my little air quotes with that in, in church growth circles. Uh, Those yeah, aren't good for a podcast. Uh, anyway, as we're looking at it, we do a lot of different things that really are appealing to the flesh. The whole, and that's the appeal mm-hmm. of the prosperity movement more than anything else. I want to see signs and wonders. I want to see power. Right. I want to see. I want to see my best life now. I want to be able to have my stuff and have my Jesus. I don't know about the suffering disciple. That doesn't seem like the blessing of God. So we want to run away from that. We want to avoid talking about sin or hard things. We don't want to be in situations where where we are you know, uncomfortable or it requires me to, to sacrifice or to be inconvenienced. And, and I say this, I'm as guilty as anybody. I don't like to be inconvenienced, you know? Well, sure. and so I have to battle that flesh to mortify the flesh, to, to use an old King James term, to put it to death all the time, every day. I got to battle my pride. I got to, and, and the local church assembly gives us the platform to be able to do that. And when the watching world sees us, and they're drawn in by, you know, the appeal to the flesh, you know, fancy illustrations in the pulpit. And, and it's really, you know, it's big in the last, you know, 15 years or so to, to use props. And it's, you know, that started back in the 70s, really. Well, long before that, but it started with prominence in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And we've been seeing in the last 15 years uh, a lot of this of, uh, oh, what do I want to say? This trying to come up with uh, seeker attractive um, sort of things where, where we come up with the best right. music and we want it to be like a concert. So we have this big draw. People will come for the music. We want the best facilities. People will come because of the comfortable chairs and the air conditioning and, you know, all these different things. I want to have this great illustration. So I want to have a young hip pastor. In fact, I won't mention the name of the church, but there's a deacon from a local church in one of our neighboring towns here uh, who had left their church to go to a different church because, you know, the the pastor they had just was no good. They needed a new pastor. They need somebody younger. They need somebody. uh, Well, I I know that pastor pastor I've ever seen weeping over souls. I interact with them. Uh, But this, this deacon was more committed to the appeal to the flesh to, uh, to, to get somebody young and cool and hip and fun rather than somebody who preaches the word of God faithfully. 
And, and that, that appeal, the appeal to the spirit is dramatically different. In fact, I just saw a trailer for a documentary about uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. It's on, uh, it's on Amazon Prime, free if you have Prime. And uh, it, it's called Logic, story of Martin Lloyd-Jones. And one of the uh, folks talking ab about uh, Lloyd-Jones in there was saying, you know, in the midst of this movement, churches were in decline, and there was this movement to make things more exciting, to make things more appealing, to come up with new ways. You know, this is, you know, 50 years ago or more, and folks were in the same kind of boat they're in now. What, well, what are we going to do to get more people in church? What are we going to do to keep the kids from leaving? So let's come up with something more, with something more, uh, you know, addressing their felt needs and all that kind of stuff. And Lloyd-Jones' perspective, as one of the, the greatest preachers of the 20th century, 